Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? Jason Carty. My name's Stephen Cockcroft. And we're live on tape from Dublin and Belfast and Boston because we are joined by a noted music journalist and ESP researcher, uh, Solomon Davies. Hello, Solomon. Hello. Now, many people since 1970 and the end of the Beatles recording career have issued reinterpretations of the Beatles music, but we're here today because this is the first known evidence of an album of pre-interpretations of Beatles music, because April the 1st sees the release of The Music of the Beatles as channeled in 1958 by the Echo Lake Home for the Potentially Clairvoyant. And uh, Solomon, this is something that you've been intimately involved in bringing to the masses, is that right? Yeah, this is a groundbreaking, shocking discovery that will just change how people view uh, not only Beatles, but how the brain works as well forever. We have found audio proof of a group of psychics in the late 50s in Vermont somehow channeling future Beatles songs and recording them. This uh, seems very hard to believe, but this is, uh, this is now what's been captured on this album, the music of the Beatles as channeled in 1958, and the science behind it seems quite remarkable. Yes, I'm a noted uh, ESP researcher, and I'm very skeptical to start, uh, as always. And uh, the the further I dug into this, I just certainly, I couldn't explain uh, what exactly was going on. And so there seems to be one obvious takeaway, and that's that these channelers were somehow able to reach into the future and pull these songs back to the past. So not only, um, you know, listening uh, in as clairvoyance, but what we might describe as oral precognitive clairvoyance or APCs. This seems totally logical to me, Stephen. Do you have any questions? Do you have any problems with any of this? I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. I've been, I've been listening to this, uh, and it definitely sounds to me like it was uh, comes from 1958. And uh, I, I obviously I'm not behind the uh, behind the science. I'm not across the ESP, but you know, be, being from Ireland, we we we're believers. We believe in these <laughs> things. Yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating. This is the only show brave enough 
to present this material, and I want to commend you. Nothing is real. The truth is out there. Well, if, if anything, we are known as one of the lead, um, um, you know, clairvoyant podcasts out there on the internet. And uh, we love a good conspiracy theory, don't we, Stephen? We're very fond of conspiracy theories, and uh, people do often say, you know, we believe anything. So, uh, yeah, we're here for you. We're here for you. But, but wait, wait a sec, Stephen, I'm just kind of rubbing my screen here and looking at the people who are in on this call, and I'm pretty certain this isn't uh, music writer and ESP researcher Solomon Davies. I'm, I'm pretty certain that uh, there's two people on this call with us today, that it's Ryan Walsh and Robert Johansson, who, uh, who seem to be somewhat involved in this project. What is going on here, gentlemen? All right, it's all good fun, folks. I didn't mean to, <laughs> I didn't mean to mislead you. Rob, you take it away. Tell them what we're talking April Fool's. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> and you all believed us up until this moment. Now, Ryan and I, like during the pandemic, uh, we decided we wanted to make this project about the Beatles because we're both fans of the Beatles. And we worked together uh, a long time ago because I moved to New York and back in Boston, we had a band together and uh, we made this one album uh, called... Complete Recordings of Dust Johnson. This is like 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago, it made this recording called The Complete Recordings of Dust Johnson, made it like over one long evening, like deep into the night, where we tried to uh, create all the recordings of this strange Appalachian character that we had found these special recordings. And it became this kind of cult thing, like... Uh, People in Boston knew about the album, and I think people uh, different places as well, right? Because Ryan, you put I it. I would online. put it into uh, download sites, and and I would shove it into CD orders that I got, and you know, and uh-huh. so people had it. But I hadn't heard; no one had brought it up to me or Rob in about twenty years. But someone, someone yeah. asked for it, emailed, and I was so tickled by it. Uh, I, I sent the email to Rob, and I was like. I, this kind of dovetails with another idea I had. What if we faked um, old Beatles songs sounding like they were recorded before they existed? That's just the whole concept is troublesome, and I loved it. And that's we started from there. And just in case anyone's confused, yeah. we should state that this is an album that's been released on April the 1st on Bandcamp. And right. it is called The Music of the Beatles, as channeled in 1958 by the Echo Lake Home for the Potentially Clairvoyant. And there's a remarkable backstory attached to all of this, which, you know, one must... It's, it's, got, it's got the air of Percy Thrillington about it, I have to, have to say, you know. There is a lot of work has gone into setting this up, I have to say. <laughs> yes. You know, we've established that this, this, this emerged from the, you know, uh, the pandemic. You know, we can blame the pandemic for lots of things and we can blame this on the <laughs> pandemic as well. But it, 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 was it the, did the idea come for doing, you know, let's just fake up some recordings in 58 style first, or did Ryan start working up this, I was going to say sleeve note, but sleeve note doesn't do it justice. What's, uh, it's like a novella you've created by way of a backstory. Right. We started with this idea of a podcast, actually, that we were going to make a fictional podcast that was going to tell this story um, and went and did episode outlines for the whole thing, but then realized it was going to be a very expensive <laughs> endeavor because of Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we spend a fortune on ours. 
I was I, I, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you're the only two middle-aged white men not to have a podcast, you know, so this is... Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm calling yeah. you middle-aged. I'm much older than you are, but... Uh, yeah. Oh, we're middle-aged. <laughs> so the, the idea was to do a podcast, but then uh, as we know as well, yes, the cost of that is... Uh, oh, it's ex exorbitant. And the story was different. It wasn't this, mm -hmm. but, it, but it had tones of this, but it also was like, it wasn't as playful and fun because that one someone else really did write the songs yeah that yeah. we discovered and, and we were like that's that's it feels bad <laughs> to even fictionally take that away from the lads and so um uh and then we realized oh what well, just a straight covers album you compulsory covers license that covers it and then we're off but it was always the beatles Where did you first encounter the Beatles? You know, I mean, I know they're just kind of all pervasive. They're just out there in the atmosphere. But was it kind of when you were kids or? Yeah, for me, it was uh, when the anthologies came out. So in the 90s, because my parents didn't really listen to the Beatles. They listened to more like folk, like Simon and Garfunkel and things like that. And then, uh, but once those anthologies came out and there was all this kind of Beatle mania again, I became completely obsessed. And for a year, I think I only listened to the Beatles. Yeah. And just went through all of the albums over and over again. And, you know, at first I liked the early stuff and then I liked the later stuff. And now I like the middle <laughs> stuff. Because <laughs> yeah. you're middle aged. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to have to keep apologizing for that all the way through this podcast. But it, so, yeah, there's, there's a friend of mine yeah. came to the Beatles in much the same way. And he, because he arrived at sort of landed on anthology, he regards those as being the definitive versions. So particularly with anthology two and three, where you you know with you got the Easter demos and stuff like that. So yeah. he when he hears the finished versions, he thinks that doesn't sound quite right. That's not how I remember. Right. And I think it's yeah, yeah. And I think it's <laughs> is that the same thing? Because there is a sort of hint of Easter demos about what we're listening to here on this i think well it's first of all i i mean that was the anthology the the tv version was like the most brilliant yeah. propaganda uh, <laughs> my story mm -hmm. similar uh but those i found those anthology collections like i was like wait what is this <laughs> it sounded it does sound like uh you know junky and and a collage style i i was like imagining if this was people's entry point and it was for a lot of people, yeah, people they, are uh, great, yeah. and they're so good that a junky cluttered entry point like that could still yeah grab everything <laughs> yeah it's very exactly. interesting to see because i uh I, I was a few years earlier my entry point was probably the the pepper 20 years ago today celebrations and the beatles on cd and there's all these kind of entry points have kind of become more you know noticed in the last few years that the the anthology meant an awful lot to an awful lot of people when it was live and i i wonder how many Beatle fans have been made in the last six months with Get Back that, you know, there's this teenagers oh, yeah. who are hitting that and, and they're going to be on podcasts or whatever in 20 years time going, well, actually, when Get Back came out, I was 14 and that blew my mind. <laughs> uh, and I don't think we appreciate that as people who've kind of already had the indoctrination that it's a constant 
cycling as much of you know you know my kids are getting indoctrinated by by stealth but it's uh you know there's all these little things that happen every few years in the beetle universe that kind of push people into the the rabbit hole i think every generation's entry point has to get longer and more difficult it's like and then like kids 10 years from now have to listen to like all of the audio <laughs> just yeah they'll be studying dna sequences in 50 years time that's how they that's where i first got into paul um <laughs> what gene well, said <laughs> well, well no, there's yeah. there's the truth <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, no oh no uh, um so i i guess the, the the lovely thing about a project like this is you get to be very playful with it you know you get to you know it's it, it comes back to that basic quality of the songs that you know musicians often talk about how the beatles are kind of like a rosetta stone for each other that you can reinterpret their music in loads of different ways and so with this project you kind of get to as i was joking at the start you kind of pre-interpret them as if you know that you know instead of moving forwards you're moving backwards um and so did this how did you decide which songs to use or what was the selection process well we made like kind of a master list of ones that we were both interested in like Ryan wrote a bunch of songs he was interested in. I wrote a bunch of songs that I was interested in and then we kind of cut each other's master lists down until we had 12 10 songs and then somebody came in with another two songs so really at, at the beginning it was like which of these songs can be fit into a different era but then I think we kind of forgot about that after a while we just felt that any of the songs could fit into whatever we were going to interpret them into. Um, and we did change some words here and there, and we changed uh, some of the chords we simplified. Yeah, that was the fun of it. It was like, well, everything can be explained by this story structure. They're, they're, some of them aren't great channelers, and they screwed up a little bit, <laughs> and they got the melody wrong. And then they're being backed by this local Vermont band. Like, we, may, we put all these story elements in that um, explained all the differences in a way that, I hope is really fun. Yeah, when I was reading the accompanying notes, you know, by by the time I was about 70% of the way through, I was like, yeah, this this all definitely happened. Was kind of where I was at. I was like, this <laughs> this all makes a perfect internal sense and yes, I can see why this group recorded this version of this song in 1958. It's all um uh, it's all very totally believable. There stuff. is there's a there's, there is a logic. There is there is a definite logic to what to what you're doing. But um what what I have to say yeah. is um you know, my disappointment, my big disappointment with this album is that there isn't a single George Harrison track there. And well, there I, are reasons for that, well, Stephen. I, 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 if if you study reasons. the notes in depth. I know that Ryan, Ryan very deftly explains why there is uh, no George Harrison track there. But what I'm interested in, did, did, did the notes post-date the exclusion of George Harrison, or did you just think, "Oh, this is"? I'm, I'm okay. So I'll 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 pull back the curtain here. So we so general concept song selection, and then we really did. Rob came to Boston, and we did all of it in one weekend, and it was a joy. People yep. just sitting around. I have a rehearsal space for the band in Charlestown, and it was a joy. People just came in and out and joined us, and then we realized what we had. I I lovingly screwed up the audio. And from there, I started to say, okay, what, what are the details of the story that would support the audio? <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, so working forwards in one direction and backwards in another to get to where you need to go. Yeah. 
And uh, Rob mentioned uh, someone else brought in two songs. And the way I got into the Beatles was, uh, you know, I was familiar with the hits and, uh, you know, just them. But I had a high school teacher named Mr. Morneau, who made, lovingly made me a 90 minute mix where he crossfaded songs and they weren't all hits. He was a he is a huge Beatle maniac and um, stayed friends he with him after high school. What's that? He saw them live. He saw oh. them live in Boston. Boston. Yep. And so um, he uh, he he sings, please, please me. And I saw her standing there. That's my that's my wow. high school teacher. Right? <laughs> No. That's pretty excellent. Um, and in terms of the album itself, uh, I, I know you're you're saying it's a lockdown kind of concoction, but there must be a temptation to try and reproduce this as a live event, or is there? I mean, we thought about it and talked about it a little bit, but it's like, how would we present it? You know, like would we all be wearing robes and <laughs> we don't be- have the wig budget. <laughs> I think I think you could do that. I think you could you could you could you just come out as uh was it CCS and uh, uh uh do it do it and you just need you know some dungarees and uh it's perfect. Oh, <laughs> we had a great band too. That that was the thing. We got all these really good musicians and of course everybody knows these songs somehow. So it didn't take long to record them even. Mm, we would right. just like chords up and then and then Rob here sings as the cult leader of the story. Yeah. And there's a few songs where he goes on uh, uh, rants in the middle yeah. of the songs. Yeah. And those were all, we were hearing those for the first time as he's doing them. And um, everyone's just looking around at like a four minute excursion in help. Like, how long does this go? Keep going. <laughs> yeah. I think in, uh, we can work it out. There's one version where I think I've went on for about eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Inspirational. <laughs> what really does come across is just you're clearly having a ball doing this, you know. And I mean, I take it this is pretty much all just recorded live in the studio. Yeah, I tried. Yeah, I mean, we tried. It, any audio file is going to rip me to shreds when they hear it and then read the description and F you, but well, we did try. And like, it is one mic in the middle of a room and the singer is singing into a mic going through a speaker, but it is, it's, it's really the sound of, you know, upwards of 10, 12 people at times in one room. Well, she was just 17 and you know what I mean and the way she looked was way beyond compare. As you say, the, 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 some of the chords are not, you know, not quite right or changing a little bit, and, the, and I, that's that's something I really liked is the fact that you were kind of playing fast and loose with the melody line in some of these songs as well. Well, you were talking, Stephen, about how it's a bit like um, uh, what was it, a record home? The the Neil Young, Jack White collaboration or letter home sorry um where he kind of does the same kind of one mic recording kind of setup as well if, if i don't know if, you, if you've if you've heard that where he's kind of like in a little a little booth where you could go in and a like a carnival or yeah. something and record yourself and he does a whole 
record like that for his mom right for his mom yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. uh i mean i remember it was it was you know it did not get good reviews but i actually find it incredibly moving you know some of the things that he was doing and the way he was he was presenting and there it, for this to be a sort of a spoof and it's funny and it's it's there, there, there's that element to it some of some of it actually is incredibly moving some of the versions of the songs oh, that wow. you, you do i mean the, you know even without reading the backstory to that version of yesterday um that is that is really you know quite something it's you know completely different from the original but it's kind of hitting all the right spots you know yeah, that the album ends with yesterday, and it's um, uh, the Red Sox organist Josh Cantor is playing piano, and Noel Dorsey, our friend, who's a classically trained singer, is doing the vocalists uh, vocals, and um, both you know, but they're both pros. Basically, like my instructions are like, uh, you got to screw up a little bit, or just like you know, just you got to get them. Uh, we had to work to get them a little bit off, and I get you know we we, we found a slight ladder to piano that helps. <laughs> but I agree, there was something really. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Haunting and beautiful about about the end product there. Yeah, I mean, that, that song in particular, you know, because you've kind of got through, the, there's the kind of funny songs here, there's sort of, a, it takes, I mean, the other thing is, a lot of guitar songs that you kind of undermine. I mean, the obvious one is uh, Andrew Bird Can Sing, which is just this perfect, in the original is this kind of perfect, no one's quite sure how they get that guitar sound. So you just kind of move completely away from that, keep the keep the riff, keep the thing. And what, are you playing that on an accordion or? Yeah, that's the same guy, the Red Sox uh, organist. He played accordion on all the songs. You know, and I mean, I think leading off with that track is just, perfect because it lets you know exactly what you're what you're getting and that's before ryan gets to goes too nuts on the dirtying up the tapes <laughs> and putting in the glitches and uh, stuff like that you know? yeah folks it gets worse <laughs> but it's all explained in this story two, one, two, three, four. Bird is free. 
it's all explained <laughs> in the story. It's, it's like one of those absolutely. It's one of those multimedia experiences. You have to be listening to this while you're reading the. Uh, it's like Michael Nesmith. Oh, the prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a novel and a record, and you have to read. Oh, really? I'm going to check that out right away. Wow. Uh, okay, I sing two. I sing Across the Universe and All You Need Is Love. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Correct. <laughs> and then Rob, 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 you kind of do two characters in a lot of songs. Yeah. Yeah, I do Bird Can Sing um, because there's the band, the, the guys, the kind of country band. And that's Bird Can Sing and... What's the other uh, one? <laughs> so we can work it out. We can work it out. I do, but that's as the cult yeah. leader. We can work it out. Help. Right. Um, and uh, I'm looking through you. Right. That that's a great arrangement. This kind of like it it kind of suddenly swerves into the crescendo from a day in the life or something in the middle of that. So, oh yeah, I didn't even think yeah, of that. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that's what we meant. Oh cool. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, uh, <laughs> I keep going into these noise sections, which is, yeah, very much like Dan Life, which I never thought of. But. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say the other vocalist, one other vocalist is a fan of uh, uh, my band, Holly of the Hills. His daughter came in. I, I put basically on Twitter, I was like, does anyone have a child? Anyone have a child? You know, the way all, <laughs> all, all good tweets start. Uh, who would, you know, it doesn't have to be great singing, but is willing to sing. And uh, this really wonderful young woman named Avery came in and uh, and she it took her a while. I mean, she comes into a room of of uh, uh, guys who have been there for 48 hours and uh, we just had to work and just have fun with her. And uh, she sinks in my life. Very good. That, that, I'm glad you, you, you didn't get arrested for that tweet. <laughs> 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 I like that song. This so, this is a song where I think your version is better than the original. I'm quite happy to put that on <laughs> on the on the record because it's it's that kind of. Even before I read the notes, I was thinking, well, it's just Buddy Holly. It's just you've. And I think, why? How did you get from that very, I think, very kind of clumsy arrangement that maybe Babies in Black to think, well, okay, yeah, Peggy Sue, we just. Right. Well, that I, that reminds me. That's another vocalist. I, I keep forgetting how big the team yeah. is. Our friend Lear came in with that idea. He was like, "This song is a this baby. Let's do Babies in Black. It's secretly a, a Buddy Holly ripoff, and we'll lean in." Oh. It's perfect. It's it's fantastic. And of course, Buddy Holly is all over. I don't know what record that's on in America, uh, but it's on Beatles for Sale. And there are, it's got words of love and, you know, so Buddy Holly is on that we album. So I just thought maybe that was the connection, but. Uh. <laughs> we're, learn, we're learning a lot. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the serendipity of putting Beatles out into the universe, all the connections that kind of uh, arise that you don't really see coming, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, one of the things I was wondering, you know, when you listen to this is, uh, you know, what other band would this work for you know like the as we kind of said earlier the beatles kind of have this kind of universality but i was thinking well who else could the echo lake home for the potentially clairvoyant have channeled in 1958 that would have made such a an impact it's it's kind of hard to i don't know whether that crossed your mind about well if we did this again we'd do x y or z uh, or whether it's kind of a unique property of the beatles that you can throw this kind of uh, project at beatles songs 
Yeah. I mean, it's, that was the tough thing. I think from the beginning, it was always, we have to do this with the Beatles. I mean, we thought that when we had the earlier podcast idea, if we changed the band to something else or even a fake band that maybe we could do it. But the whole idea was to do the Beatles thing. I mean, there, of course you could do like any other big act like David Bowie or um, Rolling Stones, maybe even. But there's just something about the Beatles that is so iconic and, mm. and easy to manipulate into different different sort of ideas that might be harder with other bands. Yeah, I I think they I mean they have transcended band and they are myth status. And I think it's easier to play with myths. And so that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. And by the end of the weekend, we had so much fun doing this. We we did. Remember, we're packing up and we're like, what what, what other band could we do? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We could talk about and, it. Um, but it's hard to think up. And, you know, they, the Beatles worked perfectly for it. I mean, that's a very good way of putting it, that the Beatles have this myth about them. And so if you're mm -hmm. creating a myth yourselves with this 1958 premise, then you can actually pull the myths. You can bring the myths together because it's all it's, it's using the same part of your brain in a way. That, yeah. that was intentional. This time yeah. I get to say it and really mean it. We <laughs> did mean that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, is is there is there another uh, couple of reels we're going to find this time next year, or could be? <laughs> well, let's see. We'll 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 see how it sells, Stephen. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if see if Apple hits you with a cease and desist or uh... oh, yeah 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 We'd, come on just let the kids have fun You mentioned there in passing, uh, your, I guess, can we call it the main gig, Hallelujah, The Hills, your band. I suppose we should just get an idea of, you know, for people who don't know the band, you know, where they come from and, and, and what, uh, I, I guess, like many musicians, you were hit hard by the pandemic. And this is obviously one of the spin-off projects from it. But what are you guys up to at the minute? Um, we're we're busy um we're kind of forming what it is but we're just writing lots of new songs right now like we can't we've been around since late 2005 from boston um and we were on tour with a new album we released a new album in uh late no late 2019 and we're touring it in march 2020 <laughs> oh, and dear. we're literally you know we played till the very last night where it was like you this band is now a safety hazard go home and so um uh and then last summer we were like it, we're, like everyone was like it's over we're back and we played an outdoor show and it felt so good and then you bring it back in um but we have stayed busy and we you know even when we're we're not making music we're cracking each other up on text right it's like <laughs> it's like we can find ways to as long as we're bothering each other, the band's going to be just fine. Talk about the things that were canceled for you. 
Uh, well, I'm <clears throat> come from more of the theater world, so yeah, I had I had a lot of stuff that was canceled, but um, right before the pandemic, I was commissioned to write this uh, long country music opera <laughs> that was premiering in Germany. So I got lucky mm -hmm. in that I was able to write this this four hour long piece, you know, in my in my apartment, annoying my wife a little bit, but. Okay. Um, and then it did. It finally premiered in uh, in Vienna. Oh wow! Last summer, <clears throat> but now stuff got canceled again in the winter, so it, it keeps going back and forth. Is, is that something that's going to tour, or is it just? Yeah, it's touring. It's going to be in Athens uh, in June, and then up in northern Norway in Harstad, also in June. What's it called? Bert Torito. Okay, hmm. are these are these big big country music opera centers of excellence? In, in... <laughs> well, I mean, I, I work with this company, Nature Theater of Oklahoma. And we've made like a bunch of different projects. Uh, some of them with music. There was one we made where we told the life story of our sound designer in ten different episodes, and it was called Life and Times. And that was like the first piece was just uh, it's told over the phone. So she told her entire life story. The first one is like youth and it's three and a half hours and all on the ukulele. And then the second one is like teenage years and it goes up to the present day. So in the end, it was like a almost 24 hour long piece. This is, yeah. this is you see, um, um, we struggle to get a podcast out, you know, once a week. It's, uh, <laughs> I know, I'm beginning to feel a bit lazy, Stephen. It's not, uh, it's not a good place to be. <laughs> and hey, you guys got some, uh, you got some Boston love recently. Uh, Boston oh, Global yes. about great Beatles podcasts. It was great to see you in there. That was very that was, strange. That yes. was very, very weird. I just assumed, I just assumed that you had uh, pulled some strings there, Ryan. And, and uh... <laughs> I know the writer, but he independently loves your show. So, well, that's that's very good. It was very strange. It was very strange. Yeah, when these things happen, you kind of, you know, I think we forget people listen, Stephen. Sometimes. That's true. You know? That's that's very true. That's very true. But what one one thing I I, I wanted to ask Ryan specifically because uh, I'm 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 going deep on the uh, the, the notes that you've uh, that you've done, and uh, you you mentioned this interview with Lennon where he talks about you know psychic abilities and language is such a clumsy thing, and you don't you don't that's the one bit you didn't put a footnote in to say where that came from, but that's from the Morris Hindle interview with the student that kind of rocked up and yeah in 1968 yeah. that that's that that's a pretty obscure thing to pick up on but the, were you were you just kind of doing the deep dive research on lennon mentioning language and esp and i was psychic? doing i was doing that i mean i was familiar that he was kind of open to those ideas for sure but you know um i think i was also i was listening to um uh, One Sweet Dream podcast, Diana, and I think she referenced it, and then I think I had her point me to it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a true uh, Beatles fanatic. I uh, I listen to a bunch of these podcasts. It's so strange how we're on another upward wave of that the band popularity. It's, it, do you guys experience that with the show? Yeah, I'd, I'd say the, the the get back experience has been totally wild and 
to actually see you know the Beatles were always mainstream but to actually see them kind of zeitgeisty and mainstream at the same time and to actually yeah. you know uh, see you know the get back on the side of a bus and all that kind of stuff and uh, you know kind of the re appropriation of the let it be album in the certainly it's in the uk charts it was kind of hanging around the top 20 for most of the end of last year it's uh yeah and i I guess we've seen people reaching out to us and followers online and all the rest that's all taken a bump at the end of last year you know yeah i think i think it's one of the benefits of the pandemic is that people were kind of locked down they're prepared to listen to anything so our podcast is (laughs) that's the category set to listen to just anything And and that's the audience we're searching for with this album those who will listen to anything (laughs) <laughs> dovetails uh dovetails perfectly but uh, I, th- I think there's definitely got to be scope for you know another hidden reel somewhere and uh you know i think i think the uh i i think there's scope for you know uh lectures and uh broadcasts and, uh, <laughs> you didn't have just of lectures yeah that's what i think i think i, I think absolutely oh, I you think know what we have to we have to do george Har- you you're right we should do some ringo and harrison Oh, oh yeah, one that's just Ringo and Harrison. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, I, th- I think you know, don't pass me by is perhaps that's too obvious. That's that's already a kind of nod to the style. So maybe that's a little bit, right, a little bit too obvious. But I think uh, all things must pass. All that album feels like it's of the dream world. Maybe that needs to be channeled. Oh, definitely. You know? Yeah, good yeah. Call. There's no physical release of this no no it's just going to exist digitally i mean those i would love it if those if i could press those liner notes we just don't know how many people are going to be into this and and uh and that's fine we had we truly just had so much fun making it and we'll see what kind of life it lives and um and that's that's kind of it you know good stuff well then we need enough people to to download this to listen to it to get volume two to get the band out on the road this could have this could run and run, Ryan. <laughs> you, you're 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 seeing cottage industry in my future. But what I would say is, what the world does not need is another Beatles podcast. So just stay away from that. <laughs> but other, otherwise, anything else? We dodged the bullet, Rob. Yeah. You talk about the theremin. Oh yeah. Did you? Is there is there a theremin on this, or yeah. is this? Yeah. Um. Well, it's the. Uh, oh, it's Norwegian wood. Yeah. I was good because yeah. I was going to say what's going. That's probably the most radically overhauled track. Yeah, apart, I, from, apart, apart from Rob's, uh, you know, improvisation in the middle of help. But uh, well, I mean, the theremin sounds like such a futuristic instrument, but it's super old, and so that got me thinking to tie it to this project. And then our friend Tyler um, is a theremin player, and I was like, would you just mess around with pick pick a Beatles song and and you know hint at the melody. And then we overlay it with uh, one of Rob's uh, speeches. And uh, yeah, it's a confounding crack. And are all of these all of these speeches just improvised on the spot, or you were you? Oh yeah, they're they're completely improvised on the spot, and they changed uh, like different takes. They were totally different things you know yeah okay no script it was great i I loved seeing rob just take off on these things it was really it was almost would you say it was almost like he was channeling somebody you know that that... (laughs) oh my god the band would be sitting there waiting to come back in too and sort of 
they didn't know when I was gonna <laughs> shoot back into the the song. And then, of course, as I said, one week and work it out. It went on for like eight or nine. Well, minutes. that's the extended the extended mix. Is that uh, that's a bonus track for the reissue? That's uh... Yeah. You're already you're yeah. already working on the anthology version here. You know you're storing up. Uh, and are there other are there other songs that you recorded that didn't make it? Didn't make the cut? To be honest, no. We we used every yeah. part of the buffalo, as they say. I think every you know we just and we we were like we have to get through these ten songs in two days. It was actually there wasn't a lot of leisure time. Like I would run and get us pizza. You know, yeah, we were we had scheduled guests like get this person in and let's go to the piano it was a it, it was super fun but it was also like a packed weekend okay you're making it clear it was it was work yeah that's right that's right we worked <laughs> yeah. hard 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 it wasn't just dicking around and uh yeah it was <laughs> certainly not no certainly not definitely not yeah okay well look we should say that uh, the name of the album is The Music of the Beatles as channeled in 1958 by the Echo Lake Home for the Potentially Clairvoyant. It is available from April the 1st, raised eyebrows, uh, on Bandcamp. And we'll put a link to the album in the description of this podcast as well. And, uh, you know, as we've kind of said throughout all this, you kind of have to, you can listen to the album on its own, which is a total blast. But if you listen in conjunction with the very, very, very deep and explanatory uh, sleeve notes, which make it all seem utterly believable. I think it's Ryan and Robert who are the shams. I, I actually believe in 1958 clairvoyant, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to believe anymore, Stephen, we're through the looking glass. That's kind of the, the main problem. Um, well, look, guys, we really want to thank you for your time today and thank you for doing this project. It's an absolute blast and we hope uh, we can point a lot of people in the direction of listening to it. Um, but thanks for, for, for joining us. That's uh, thanks to Ryan Walsh. Thank you for having me. And thanks to Robert Johansson. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Um, and so I guess well, that leaves us to just wrap up that we're available in all the usual places. We're on the Nothing Is Real website, nothingisrealpod.com, Twitter at BeatlesPod, the Nothing Is Real Facebook group that Stephen's at. I want to thank all our ACAST Plus subscribers. Um, and uh, But for now, my name's Jason Carty. My name's Stephen Cockcroft. And this has been Nothing Is Real. Thanks for listening. Rob, you think they're buying? Rob, you think they're buying this? <laughs> <laughs>